Stinging waves, fox spear, lockers action, very weird. Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons, and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very harsh. Four drive, black alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. He's a bad left, Edward is an idiot, Fuck is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Data's cat, Kempex cat, Q has had enough of that, beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are Around the globe. It is Thursday, September 8, 2022. Happy Star Trek Day. I hope you guys had a great Star Trek Day, as great as I did. And we are live. That means you can call us at 646 668 2433 and you can join in our conversation. And we've got a lot to talk about tonight. Uh, mostly we're going to be talking about Star Trek Lower Decks, the least dangerous game. Kapla! A Klingon game, a Warriors game, and we're going to dive real deep into that. Uh, we also have Star Trek news, Star Trek birthdays, convention calendar, and a lot of fun. So give us a call, 646-668-2433. I'm going to introduce our uh, Trek experts, and we're going to dive right in because we've got a lot to talk about. So as usual, we have our trifecta from Portland. We'll start off with Eric. How you doing tonight, Eric? I am doing excellent. It is another beautiful day in Portland, and uh, I'm just happy that, that uh, we've got continuous Star Trek one more time. It makes a lot of difference when I get new stuff every single week. Just kind of energizes me Star Trekily, if you know what I mean. And we Star Trekily. You can you can use that. You can use that. It's okay. Let's all adopt that and never stop saying it. I love that. <laughs> and if if you guys did, if you guys watched the Star Trek Day with Mary Chifo, she was talking about Klingon cleavage, and she created a new name for Klingon cleavage called Cleavage. <laughs> so the Bert, the the Duras sisters. I'm not going anywhere near that one. <laughs> yep, that's that's what she said. Klingon not cleavage. Not a chance in hell. <laughs> cliffage. So Klingons have cliffage. Uh We also have Paul. He's out in Portland as well. How you doing tonight, Paul? Brother, I'm doing great. All kinds of good things going on. Cylinders are firing. It is Star Trek Day. It is upcoming Comic-Con weekend here in uh, Portland. Uh, uh, things that ought to be happening have been happening. It's a really cool uh, transitional period as we move into fall. Happy times. And while you're at that convention, keep your eyes peeled for for Klingon cleavage. You never know. Could could be there. <laughs> hey, be I'm there. a merry <laughs> man, dude, okay? There's, there's no cleavage hunting here for me, all right? Yeah, I'll be no looking cliffage. for more, uh, more uh, G-rated <laughs> fare. But, uh, you know, and, uh, true to my school. David the Donut Guy, he's also in Portland. How you doing, David? Uh, pretty good, pretty good. Sorry, no donuts today, though. No donuts? That's okay. We'll give you a pass on this one. And not from Portland, by the way, but from Las Vegas. We have our very own Charles. How are you doing tonight, Charles? 
I'm doing good. Missed you guys last week, but love the weather up in Seattle. Uh, we're on our last day of the heat, heat warnings, and we'll jump out of the heat warnings, cool back down, and enjoy more monsoon season. Wow. <laughs> wow. Well, guys, um, go over to our Facebook page at Truck Talking and Beyond. You have to spell it all out. And at the top of the page, you'll see the Live Long and Prosper with a simple question. Hey, guys, where are you listening from? All you need to do is go there. Tell us where you're listening from. If you see a heart next to your name from yours truly, Uncle Jim, that means that your name has been chosen and you will be mentioned in a future fan shout out, just like these lucky fans that we're going to mention tonight. So, Eric, why don't you get us started with our fan shout out? You bet, Jim. Our very first fan shout out tonight goes out to Cloud Fisher from Luxembourg. One of those places I would love to go and visit. Cloud, thank you so much for listening to us way over there in Europe. And uh, I hope you're eating or drinking something delicious. You likely are. Uh, We're also saying hello and kapla this week to Terry Bowersock. Uh, I'm from Hendrick, Iowa, and I ride a 1500 Kawasaki Vulcan. That is awesome. You got the Kurt connection. You got the Spock connection. And, uh, you know, Iowa's not that far from Illinois, which is my old stomping ground. So Terry Bowersock, thank you so much for supporting the podcast and for saying hello to us on our Facebook page. We're also saying hello this week to Denelson de Oliveira from Brazil, specifically San Paulo, one of those places we've talked about many times Denilson, thank you so much for listening to us and Kapla as well to you. We're also saying hello this week to Takumi Okada, way over in Tokyo, Japan. Number one, actually, on my international travel list. Uh, so I hope it make it there in the next two or three years. That's the, uh, it's the financial plan. We'll see what actually happens. But Takumi, thank you so much for listening to us way over there in Japan. And Charles, I'm sure that you have some more folks you would like to say hello to this week. Oh, definitely. Let's start off with Jim Whitney Jr. from Connecticut. Robin Kendall from Springfield, Illinois. Top fan, Sid Torrance from New Jersey. And Cynthia Hare from North Georgia. David, who's on your list? Yeah, I'd like to say hi to Paul Fitzhugh from Bella Vista, Arkansas, and Brad Anderson from Tennessee. Uh, another one of mine is uh, Gary Minnitz from Hat- uh, Hartville, Missouri. And last on the list is Ron Ford from Victoria, Australia. Paul, who's on your list? Well, friends, we have an international community that is celebrating Star Trek Day all across the planet today in local places that we know and uh, points far afield. Let's give a great big kapla to Dorota Petrik in the fantastic land of Poland in Europe. How fantastic that you are out there listening to the show and checking out our Facebook page. So happy Star Trek Day to you, Dorota. Also in Schwelm, Germany, uh, it's, uh, I want to say that's, it's 
near Westphalia, maybe, in Arnsberg? I can't really remember. It's been a little while since I've looked at a map of Germany. But uh, in Schwelm, we have our good friend Dennis Borkart that is there. And thank you for reaching out and saying hello. Kapla to you, my friend, and happy Star Trek Day. I would love to come visit this fan. <laughs> I would love to come visit this fan because it means I would be getting to go to gorgeous Milano, uh, the beautiful district of Milan in Italy in the south. Oh, my God. Milan, Luciano Vulcan. <laughs> what a coincidence that that is your, your name. It, I didn't think that was a Vulcan uh, or an Italian name, Luciano, but, you know, names are fluid. We can adopt the it. ones that we feel speak to us, and I'm guessing it. that maybe is what you did, Luciano. So I'm raising a glass of my favorite Italian beverage in your honor, my friend, and thank you for listening to the show and uh, reaching out to us. Happy Star Trek Day. And lastly, for me, with a great big smiling happy face, uh, Eve Wine in the Netherlands is also a fan of the show and uh, a devoted listener. It is wonderful to hear from you. And uh, happy Star Trek Day, friends. Jim, who you got going on there? Well, we'd like to say kapla to Drew Wardolf, who's listening to us in New Zealand. We'd also say thank you to Warren Tank Morissette Jr., who says... Uh, grew up in a little town area called Chocowinty, North Carolina. Chocowinity. Yeah, I think that, yeah. And North Carolina, so thank you for listening. Chocowinity. That's got like, yeah. That's, and we like to say kapla to top fan Brian Tyler, who's listening to us in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And last but not least, we'd like to say kapla to Donnie Hakula from Kentucky. So coming up next, guys, we have our Star Trek birthdays. But to keep you titulated during our commercial break, uh, Star Trek Day was today. And uh, we have an exclusive clip because they released the brand-new, never-before-heard theme song for Season 5. And I've got it here for you guys right now. And we're going to play it for you on this commercial break. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back after the Discovery Season 5 exclusive theme song. Put her in her angel suit, she will never fail To lead her ship on future trips to save the sphere data Saru was softly through and through, but I'm sure and true The crew went all the way that day on a three-hour tour A three-hour tour our travel was very rough, and Burnham paid the cost. That day, Saru saved the whole dog crew, but Discovery was lost. Discovery was lost. They splashed the ship right down, you see, in the 32nd century, with Burnham and Mr. Saru. Oh, Wushukun and Edmer, the Emperor, the Doctor and Samitan. Here on Discovery Hear my tale of Discovery A crew who's not all fine They'll have to do the best they can To fit into this new time Burnham and Captain Saru Will do all that they can To take care of their crew You see and execute the plan New races, world relationships And new technology Discovery was an ancient ship as primitive as in me. So turn up on each Thursday night right here on your TV. You never know what you will see here on Discovery. 
And there you have it, guys. The premiere, never before heard, season five Discovery theme song. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I really like it. I think it's really catchy, but it sounds familiar just a little bit, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, uh, I kind of feel like maybe I should be getting some royalties whenever we play that, Jim, because now that they've elevated it to the official theme song, I'm, uh, you know, I feel like I maybe should be making some scratch on this. I don't know. Yeah, I, this is redef- redefining the phrase never before heard also, which is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Weird deja vu. We, I don't know, man. Maybe a temporal rift or something? I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> that is strange, isn't it? Isn't it though? It's so so peculiar. I know. It's like a time warp of some kind. (laughs) (laughs) So guys, uh, this is the part of the show where we do our Star Trek birthdays, and that means we have to hear from Mr. Worf. And this is a fun part of the show. This is a part of the show I really enjoy because it gives us a chance to look back on the 56 years of Star Trek. And we have a chance to remember some people that we maybe haven't thought about in a long time. And also remember those members of our Star Trek family who, sadly enough, are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric. Yeah, Jim, this week we're going to be remembering eight members of our Star Trek community who have gone before us. Uh, The first remembrance we send out this week goes out to actor Nicholas Wirth, who, of course, played the character of Lonzek in Voyager's uh, episodes Bride of Chaotica and Shattered. Uh, Lonzek, of course, being a holodeck character that was involved in the adventures of Captain Proton, some of the most fun shenanigans that uh, Voyager could pull out of their hat. So... Nicholas Worth, uh, thank you for your contributions to Star Trek. Uh, Would have had a birthday this week. Happy birthday. We're also sending out uh, happy birthday and remembrances to Reggie Nalder, who played the Andorian Ambassador Shras in TOS's Journey to Babel, one of the, uh, well, not one of the, the first Andorian that we see on screen, right, guys? And uh, amazing uh, to have him as part of the Star Trek franchise. He guest starred in like billions of other things out there in the television world, including the premiere of the original Battlestar Galactica, which is pretty darn cool. And then uh, also related to a movie that you and Jim were chatting about a week or two ago. Uh, you and Jim, I'm talking as if I'm talking directly to Paul right now. <laughs> <laughs> I sense you looking at me. It's okay. I understand. Also starred in the 1979 television adaptation of the Stephen King novel, Salem's Lot. Uh-huh. He, of course, played the original role of Kurt Barlow, the lead vampire. God, um, probably so... one of the most terrifying vampires ever committed to celluloid. Oh, my God. I, I, I would think... totally agree. Uh, a yeah, million totally people agree. ran out of the room and that guy showed up in 1979 <laughs> me included me. <laughs> i was just like oh he's done so many great things dude he's a, a movie icon um he was in hitchcock's man who too too much uh i remember him in the manchurian candidate uh fellini's yep. casanova what a career that guy had. i mean man just uh, lovely man amazing yep Yep, would have had a birthday this week. So uh, happy birthday and lots and lots of love and remembrances going out to Reggie Nalder this week. 
Uh, we're also saying happy birthday this week to Harry Landers, who played Arthur Coleman in TOS's episode Turnabout Intruder. Uh, if you don't know him from that episode, well, you should. And if you don't, uh, you might know him uh, for his regular role as Dr. Ted Hoffman on the popular 1960s medical drama Ben Casey. Uh, <laughs> So there you go. Uh, Henry Landers claim to fame, guys. Uh, happy birthday, and uh, remember, it's just going out to Harry Landers. We're also saying happy birthday this week to Harold Livingston, a uh, titan among men as far as I'm concerned, uh, the sole credited screenwriter for uh, something that we've reprised many, many times on this podcast, Star Trek The Motion Picture, a movie which many of us love, uh, many of us have enjoyed now the benefits of having these things produced in 4K and five-dimensional sound, and it transports you to the future when you watch it, which is pretty cool. Uh, so Harold, Harold Livingston, uh, of course, was a novelist um, and also a screenwriter, so didn't just live in that one phase, but also uh, was the creative producer for the thing that never was, which was Star Trek Phase Two, uh, before we even got the motion picture. Um, so he was kind of the guy who provided that continuity from phase from the unrealized phase two, as far as I'm concerned, into the motion picture, which I think is pretty cool. And you can hear a little bit more about that uh, because in 2001, he was interviewed for the phase two, the Lost Enterprise special feature on the Star Trek, the motion picture director's edition DVD. I'm wondering, Paul, do you know if they included that extra on now the reissued 4K edition? I'm pretty sure they did. I mean, there's two new box sets that are out there for um, for the motion picture. Uh, one of them is just so exhaustive. It's like I haven't even had time to read everything that's included in it. It's just it's practically it's like it practically has like you know film footage of everyone who ever walked in front of a theater that was playing Star Trek the motion picture. I mean, it's just it's ridiculous how much content's in there. I mean, you know. <laughs> fun hyperbole, but it's got to be. I mean, I would be stunned if it's not. It's an incredible, incredible package. Oh well, that's God. me. So assuming that that's there, I encourage everybody to go check that out because uh, once you understand uh, what could have been in phase two, you'll understand a little bit of where Discovery was coming from as well, which I think is pretty cool. Nice. Nice, nice. Like connection there. So uh, happy birthday to Harold Livingston. Uh, we do miss you and uh, a Titan in the Star Trek universe. We're also saying a happy birthday this week to the twins, the Android twins, Ray and Alice Andresi, um, both uh, starring, well, co-starring in that episode from TOS, I Mud, uh, Ray playing numbers 251 <laughs> and 500, Alice playing numbers one and 250. Um, you know, they're twins, guys, right? So they were cast as such often in the past. They were they starred as some twins on Bonanza. Um, they starred as twins in the 1970s film Hell's Bloody Devils. Um, <laughs> so, you know, uh, I I don't know if I've they, seen these. Yeah, go ahead, Charles. Weren't they, the double, weren't they one of the sets of the Doublemint twins? Uh, you know, maybe they were. I did not pull that fact up, but uh, that would be awesome, Charles. Uh, so yeah, I encourage anybody to double check Charles on that, but they could have been some double mint twins, which of course were commercials that lived in infamy from my childhood and probably your guys' teenage years. Um, so happy birthday to the twins, Ray and Alice and Dracy. Thank you for being androids and, uh, love that, that, that episode, just uh, such a fun episode of Star Trek. 
We're also saying happy birthday this week to Rod Arendt, who played Rex in TNG's Manhunt, and also would later play Daleth in Voyager's Living Witness. Uh, not the only thing that Rod Arendt ever did. Uh, he also um, uh, was in many television series, uh, including when, according to my research, tons and tons of soap operas and sort of like late night dramas. Uh, so uh, a face you would have seen out there for sure if you were watching television back in the late 80s. So Rod Arendt would have had a birthday this week. Happy birthday, Rod. And our final uh, remembrance this week goes out to actor Bruce Gray, who played Admiral Chakotay. I know that name sounds familiar, but not that one. Uh, because in DS9, that name showed up first with an E at the end uh, in the episode The Circle. Uh, and also played uh, a part in TNG's episode Gambit Part 1. Uh, but Bruce Gray did not stop there. He played multiple roles. He was also known as Serac. That's right, the Serac in Enterprise's Awakening and the Forge, two of my personal favorite episodes of Enterprise where he plays uh, the father of all Vulcan logic. And maybe he's not quite what you thought he was, which is so cool that Enterprise was Stalagmites. Serenites. So. Uh, <laughs> Dang it. I Sir. have to correct the senile old man here, but it's okay. It's okay. I got you covered, Jim. No problem. That's what friends are for. Now, was he a good admiral or an evil admiral? I don't remember. Well, this is, you know, we didn't talk about Chakotay in my admiral panel, but uh, for for me, he was actually a pretty decent one. He was not one that was that was crooked like some of the some of the others, particularly some of the really bad ones from DS9 era. Um, and Bruce Gray, you know, he had other things going on. He was, uh, he starred in the entire run of the Canadian series Traitors. He also had a recurring role on Babylon 5, which is a series that many, many Americans are quite into. Um, and he was also on the American version uh, of the television show Queer as Folk, which I think quite a lot of people like. Um, but last but not least, Bruce Gray was... <laughs> One of my favorite roles. Uh, he played the hopelessly wasp father of the groom in the 2002 comedy My Big Fat Greek Wedding. I love that movie. Uh, and Bruce Gray just did a fantastic job playing a stupid white man uh, in <laughs> in a Greek context. So Bruce Gray, thank you for both your Star Trek contributions and also for your My Big Fat Greek Wedding contribution. Personally, loved it. Happy birthday, Bruce Gray. Gosh, guys, I felt like that took a while, but we honored each and every one of our people here with all of the cool things that they did throughout their career. So now I'm going to switch over to Charles, and Charles is going to start taking us through the folks who are still with us, who have birthdays this week. Charles, take it away. All right. So for my trails were that they were not one of the Doubleman twins. Somehow I thought they were. Let's start off with Amy Lindsay. Who played Lana in Voyager's Endgame. If you want more about her, you can look her up yourself. Sachi Parker played Dr. Teva on TNG's First Contact. Not a lot of details on her either. Michael Dante played Mab in TOS's Body's Child. He had about 60 roles from 56 to 89, and then came back a couple years ago 
and played himself on Unbelievable. Oh, uh, yes. Bernson played Q2, who ironically I was looking on IMDb, and he doesn't actually get credited for the role. But he showed up in Deja Q. When you see the two Qs together and Q gets saved. He also, one of his big roles was playing a divorce lawyer at L.A. Law. And about 250 other just random roles through, uh, through his career. William Erte played Vulcan Captain Vanick in Enterprises Breaking the Ice. Jim just threw this one at me today, and I kind of started looking at it like, okay, after about 95, when did he have time to do much of anything else? As he appeared to 835 times in Days of Our Lives. Wow. But maybe he got a chance to work with Corbin since they both worked in the series L.A. Law. Paul, how about your list? Okay, thanks, Charles. Well, if you're a fan of science fiction and horror movies, you know this next actor. Maybe you don't know him by name, but you sure know what he looks like. Actor Michael Berryman. He has done numerous Star Trek appearances, including Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, where he played the Starfleet Display Officer. Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, Jim's favorite movie, as Cyborg Warrior, and in what has got to be one of the best episodes of the first season of Next Gen, Captain Ricks in the episode Conspiracy. Love it. Really, really cool. Uh, Picard meets him on that desolate planet for that kind of hush-hush uh, meeting. Can we trust him? Is it okay? What's going to happen? I don't know. Conspiracy, always a great episode. Very unusual within the ranks of Star Trek. Uh, genre fans are going to recognize him from the iconic cult 1977 horror movie, The Hills Have Eyes. I'm not talking about those cheesy remakes. I'm talking about the original, the fantastic picture uh, from Wes Craven. Really, really, really top dollar. Recommended highly. It's a winner. Happy birthday, Michael Berryman. We miss you. Get some more stuff going on. I want to find. I haven't seen you in a while. Also, happy birthday to Patricia Tallman from the Deep Space Nine episode Battle Nine, Battle Lines, excuse me, as Nima. And Deep Space Nine and The Muse episode as Nurse Tagana, and in Next Gen Starship Mind episode as Kiros. Patricia Tallman also had a pretty uh, substantial part in uh, Babylon 5, which uh, just got mentioned uh, briefly uh, recently from Eric, but also on that show as well. Uh, happy birthday to uh, Padma Lakshmi, uh, an enchanting and wonderful actor who played Kaitama in the Enterprise episode Precious Cargo, striking and indelible, to be sure. I think anybody who uh, is a Next Gen fan has got tremendous affection for this next actor because, my God, Patty Yasutake appeared 16 times on Next Gen and in Next Star Trek Generations uh, and in Star Trek First Contact as Nurse Ogawa, Dr. Crusher's right hand, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Fantastic, fantastic uh, 
presence, very human and relatable, uh, always just no matter what chaos and anarchy was going on, uh, Patty Asataki made you believe that, you know what, you got to take care of what needs to be done. She's and so just, calm. Uh, yeah, and just calmly kind of, she'd raise an eyebrow and go, okay, well, I'm sorry that the uh, you know, warp core is on fire, but we really have to treat these injuries. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It's just great. <laughs> I'm betting this is one of these things that there's just no way to prove. There's no way to prove it, but I guarantee you Patty Asatake is responsible for legions of young people pursuing careers in medicine and nursing because of the example that she portrayed. I guarantee that. I bet when she is at cons, if she does do cons, I bet she is just beset by people saying, you're changing my life. I bet it's got to be, right? Because uh, she made it seem like a really uh, human and important occupation that you could do and still – retain yourself doing it so fantastic uh fantastic performer happy birthday patty yasutake and this next actor i'm a big fan of i love his work actor kione young who uh, deep space nine uh fans will uh recognize as <laughs> but Bokai from yeah the if wishes were horses he yeah. also appeared in the enterprise episode vanishing point as mr sato but, oh, boy, if you like Keone Young, friends, and you're a fan of this particular actor, do not miss the HBO series Deadwood, uh, a phenomenally uh, foul-mouthed Western, if there ever yeah. was one. Uh, but uh, Keone Young plays Mr. Wu on that show. You will never forget this character. He is just fantastic. He's uh, absolutely uh, made that role his own. Uh, it, portraying a, a, a niche of uh, folks who don't get real accurate depictions in history. And I think that uh, he's uh, made a wonderful place for himself in all kinds of different movies from uh, his voice work in pictures like uh, Kung Fu Panda and Samurai Jack to Men in Black 3. Uh, he does a ton of work and is a don't wonderful Don't forget Rebels. Actor. Rebels. I don't want to Star forget Wars Star Rebels. Trek Rebels. What am I? Star what Wars, am, Star, Star Wars yeah. Rebels. I mean, he's done, he's done too much work to even like. It's covered all. He's just done so many stuff. Young Justice, uh, Godzilla movies, uh, the Deadwood movie, Avatar, Archer, Avatar, the the animated show, uh, the best ever. Know, I I still got to watch a lot of Avatar, man. Oh, I, so uh, good. It's uh that's gonna be a theme for me. Is uh oh he's Commander Sato on Star yeah. Wars Rebels. Yes. Oh my God, yeah, my that's the I guy. had no idea. That's what I'm saying. Gonna, Holy crap. Swenjin. I had no idea that's the same cat. Oh, I love that. Thank yeah. you for pointing that out. I didn't realize he was Sato. Oh, now I've got a whole nother level. I got to, oh. <laughs> it's a trap. Oh, dude, if I was at a, yeah, if, if, if uh, Keone Young was at a, at, a, at a convention signing, I would head straight to his table because he's a badass. He's totally cool. So, happy birthday, man. Wherever you are, I, you're probably in Honolulu, is my guess, or yep. working wherever you are. He's a Honolulu-based uh, actor, I believe. But uh, uh, you just had a birthday, what, two days ago, man. So, happy birthday, brother. I hope you're having a great time and uh, enjoying this change of seasons. I'm going to pass the uh, crazy birthday baton, a flaming candle of uh, Batleth's shape, over to my friend Jim. <laughs> yes, and we have a few more birthdays to go, and then we're going to we're going to move on. We want to say happy birthday to Davido Williams, who played Lisa in DS9's Children of Time. We also want to wish Michael Horton, who played 
Lieutenant Daniels in Star Trek First Contact and Star Trek Insurrection. A happy birthday. We want to say happy birthday. This is a new one. First time on our list to Lauren Lapkus, who played Jennifer Sharan in LDS. And uh, she's the Andorian that uh, hates uh, Mariner. Uh, but I got some news for you guys. <laughs> they may become very, very close friends uh... in the current season. So we'll have to keep an eye out for that. Uh, we also want to say happy birthday. This next guy, wow, what hasn't he done? Uh, yeah. Happy birthday to Idris Elba, who played Krell in Star Trek Beyond. But, like, what hasn't this guy done? I mean, he um, I mean, he's all over the place. Uh, so Star Trek was lucky to get him, although they buried him under all that makeup, but it was him. So happy birthday. And the last one on my list, I'm going to say uh, that next to Gene Roddenberry, I think this is the guy that's responsible for the big surge in Star Trek that, we, that we're seeing today, because this guy uh, co-produced Star Trek 2009 with J.J. Abrams, uh, which I feel revitalized and pumped Star Trek full of all this new blood and crew brought all kinds of new fans into the fan base that were not there before and carried the torch to the first brand new Star Trek series that we'd seen and well over a decade with Star Trek Discovery launching the Paramount Plus, which was CBS All Access, which is now Paramount Plus. And now we have not one, not two, not three, not four, but five, five current active Star Trek shows on TV with a sixth on the way when Picard wraps up its third season. That's phenomenal. And we owe that to this next gentleman, Alex Kurtzman. So happy birthday to Alex Kurtzman. And that wraps up our birthdays, guys. Can you believe it? A lot of great mm-hmm. birthdays, a lot of great characters, a lot of great actors, a lot of great episodes. So uh, go back and check some of them out and uh, have a great, great Star Trek day. We're going to play a very quick commercial break. Run in the microwave, get your chicken wings, get your pizza bites, go to the bathroom, and we'll be right back. Hi there, this is Eric from Trek Talking. Do you own a business, produce a product, or are planning an event that would appeal to Star Trek fans? Would you like to harness the power of this podcast to get your message out to the world? We here at Trek Talking are a show made by fans for fans, and we would love to help you share your love of Star Trek on the air, live every Monday and Thursday night at 7.30 Eastern. Contact us through Facebook Messenger at facebook.com slash trektalkingandbeyond or email us using the contact link on our website at podpage.com slash trek-talking. We can't wait to hear from you. Engage. And welcome back, everybody. We're live. Our phone number here is 646-668-2433. Let your fingers do the walking and give us a call. We'd love to have you do the talking. All right, guys, it's time for... All right, we 
we've got our convention calendar kicking off this week with the Fan X Salt Lake Comic Convention, September 22nd through the 24th at the Salt Palace Convention Center in beautiful Salt Lake City, Utah. So if you're in Utah, go check out Fan X. I'm sure it's going to be a blast that weekend. Also on that same weekend, we have the Deep South Paracomicon in the Daleville Cultural and Convention Center in beautiful Daleville, Alabama. So Deep South, you got some conventions going on as well down there in Alabama, Daleville. Go check it out. And happening on the same weekend, if you're just going to scooch a couple of states over, you've got the SpaCon, September 23rd through the 25th at Hot Springs Convention Center in Hot Springs, Arkansas. David, which conventions are you tracking? Well, it looks like I got three conventions all on the 24th of September. First one on my list is the Cleveland Gaming Classic, September 24th at the IX Center in Cleveland, Ohio. Second one is the Fountain City Fandemonium, September 24th at the William County Public Library in Bry. Brian, Ohio. <clears throat> uh, last on my list is the Milwaukee Comic Con, September 24th at the Wisconsin State Fairgrounds in West Hayless, Wisconsin. Paul, who's on your list? Well, first up, my friends, coming up on September 24th, it is Toyzilla Swap Meet 2022. Toyzilla takes place in gorgeous, sunny, bacon like a chicken, Alhambra, California. Toyzilla, I love that name. It means a lot of people in the Alhambra area have toys they're looking to unload and they're looking to find. So head on over, friends. Beat the heat and come home with some new toys. That uh, same week, September 24th through 25th in Des Moines, Iowa, it's QuadCon Des Moines uh, at the Merle Hay Mall. The whole mall? That must be one heck nope. of a con. <laughs> <laughs> it's not no? the whole mall. No, well, it is I'm a portion gonna, of the mall, though. <laughs> well, listen, man. I because that's why they call it QuadCon, because it's four times bigger than a typical con that you would normally see in Des Moines. So I'm guessing <laughs> they need the whole Merle Hay Mall, right? I would, love that, tr- be, I would love that to be true. I would love that to be true, my friends. And no, I mean, how big can Des Moines be? I, let's find quad- out. You know. Oh, Paul, Paul, uh, Paul, Paul. I don't know. I want to find out. That I'm curious. Of the, if you're in that portion of the country, you know that QuadCon is because it's the Quad Cities, one of which Des Moines, Iowa is. So there you, know, you go. Eric, I love you, but you're so literal. You're so literal, man. You've got to open up your mind, brother. Come on. Open your mind. Iowans need you to think larger, okay? That's just, you know, come on. Use your composer hat. I'll just go crazy. And finally for me, September 24th through 25th, how can you possibly visit three conventions that are happening on the same day? I don't know, but some people do. If you have frequent flyer miles, you can go to RetroCon 2022, September 24th through 25th at the Greater Philadelphia Expo Center. Yes, the whole center in Oaks, Pennsylvania. RetroCon is waiting for you. Charles, (laughs) where are you going to be standing in line at? Well, let's add one more to the 24th and 25th. Because some of you, while you're chasing down all these states, want to go down to Savannah, Georgia also for Savannah Comic Con. The 24th and 25th is the Savannah Convention Center. Then you can move on to the next weekend and then head over to 
uh, Montana at the Cape Cape Comic Con, September 30th to October 2nd. Missouri, Missouri, brother. Missouri. Missouri. Yeah, Emily, Missouri. Missouri. Cape Girardeau Convention Center, Cape Girardeau, Missouri. Or Supercon? Supercon, and it's so cool because it's spelled like the tribe, like the Sioux, Supercon. Oh, wonderful, yeah. September 30th to October 2nd also, Sioux Falls Convention Center, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Hey, Jim, I bet you want to do some news. Yeah, we do. We've got a lot of great stories to talk about, but before we do that, we got to play our awesome intro. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of program. Level nine authorization required. Specify parameters. Transfer of data is complete. Black alert. Black alert. Well, first of all, I said it at the top of the show and I want to say it again. Happy Star Trek Day. Star Trek means yeah. so many things to so many people. Um, and so I've got a couple of stories to start off the Star Trek news with, uh, which for me is what Star Trek is all about. So I'm going to start off our news. Oh, by the way, all the stories that we're about to talk about can be found and read in their entirety on our Facebook page at Trek Talking and Beyond instead of just me paraphrasing them, Okay. So the first story is entitled, Star Trek Discovery Star Praises Shows Infinite Diversity in Storytelling. Star Trek Discovery's Wilson Cruz has praised the infinite diversity of the franchise's storytelling. The actor, who plays Dr. Hugh Colbert on the sci-fi series, spoke at Dragon Con Convention about the progressive nature of the series. Quote, Star Trek is defined as infinite diversity in infinite combinations. If that's true, and if that is our aim, Progress towards that has to be modeled. That's what science fiction does for us. It helps us imagine what that's going to look like. And that's inherently political. So Danica Martin-Green addressed critics of Discovery, notably those who suggest that the show has strayed too far from the original Star Trek formula. Quote, the fan base for the franchise as a whole and the fan base for Discovery in particular is a highly intellectual, loyal crowd. So because of that, their voices deserve to be heard, and we appreciate their voices, even if they are in disagreement with us, even if they're criticizing. It's like, I get where you're coming from, though. It's because this means a lot to you. She added, and there are so many people who are like, but I love the changes. There's so many different perspectives, and isn't that the whole point, that the whole part of diversity and inclusion, everybody's got to be represented and ain't that the truth and i gotta say i posted that quote that quote uh, just hit me really deep and i found a picture of her and i put that quote on our facebook page and i put that quote on our story and did you guys read any of the comments on that post by chance not yet because yeah it was a typical kind of mixed bag I have got to tell you that sometimes Star Trek fans disappoint me with their 
I don't know what to call it, with their closed-mindedness, with their lack of understanding. I had to show a lot of people to the airlock, and I had to hide a lot of comments, uh, people saying, who cares about diversity? What does diversity mean? Uh, you know, we, diversity means that you have to include people that you hate. Uh, I mean, just wow. Well, Jim, when I, when I, when I hear like, I, so I have friends who come from all sorts of different places and I love every single one of them uh, for various reasons. Um, But when I hear friends of mine use terms like too, too woke, too woke, (laughs) I don't even even know what to like, (laughs) what to think about that sort of thing. So I, I really, you all know that I try and always steer us back to not complaining about the complainers because I don't think that they deserve our time, but gee whiz guys. Um, It's very clear. And and you may not like Sonequa Martin green as a actor. Like maybe you don't even like discovery as a concept, but man, I will almost guarantee you if you don't like Sonequa Martin green, you probably are digging on some, on some Anson Mount, right? Because Star Trek covers a whole spectrum of of um, not only diversity of characters, but diversity of plots, diversity of experiences, um, you know, diversity of even how the captains react to their their own uh, staff and other people on the bridge. So go out there Hanson's and find something amazing. you love, man. There's like He's the go. I'm just saying, go find Star Trek you love because if if you're a Star Trek fan, if you're even on a Star Trek page chances are pretty good that you have something that you love about Star Trek, right? And at this point, guys, Star Trek is so diverse and so broad and has so many options that if you don't like what's up in one camp, go find another camp. And I guarantee you there will be some Star Trek you love and you don't have to disparage the Star Trek that you don't love along the way, right? That is not the essence of Star Trek. The essence of Star Trek is... You know what, dude? You like your Star Trek. Uh, you like your Star Trek. I like my Star Trek. They're all just a little bit different, and that is all okay. So come on, come on now. Let's do it together. And I, I just, I just got to say one, one comment that 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 really got under my skin. Uh, uh, so I, I, I'm not going to repeat it, but I just. I just got to say not right now, it. right here. Yeah, don't give them the time, man. Do not no, give them the time. You're, no. you're empowering them by repeating it. Don't do Michelle it. Michelle Nichols, okay, was about as diverse a character as you ever will see on any show that has ever been produced. And something, and I give these people the benefit of the doubt because I think that a lot of people maybe don't know about the civil rights movement. Maybe they don't know what it was all about. Maybe they don't know that it wasn't all that long ago where black people could not vote. Maybe they're not aware that all not that long ago they had to ride separate buses. Maybe they're not aware that not that long ago they were being beaten in the streets for simple things that we take for granted today. I give them the benefit of that doubt. Okay. But if it wasn't for Nichelle Nichols being on Star Trek during those terrible current times we would not have the star trek that we have today we wouldn't have sonequa martin green we wouldn't have the awesome cisco we wouldn't have the star trek that we have today so yes diversity is important 
and Star Trek promotes it, and that's that. So, all right, what do you have on your list? I think that uh, I think that I think uh, I'm up next. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure I'm up next. This next story is very similar to the one that Jim just read, but but it builds on it and goes into a a slightly different direction. Uh, Star Trek cast members talk to franchise's embrace of infinite diversity at DragonCon 2022. Quote out, what do you say to one of the unfortunate people on the Internet who think Star Trek is too progressive? Scott Beckett asked the panel of cast members in earnest on Saturday during a panel at DragonCon. The politics of Star Trek are familiar territory for cast members like Blue Del Barrio, Wilson Cruz, Michelle Hurd, and Anthony Rapp, who have played roles on Star Trek Discovery and Star Trek Picard. Star Trek is defined as infinite diversity in infinite combinations, Cruz said. If that's true, and if that is our aim, progress towards that has to be modeled. That's what science fiction does for us. It helps us imagine what it's going to look like. And that is inherently political. What I want is new fans, said Leo Vicentin, assistant director for the Star Trek convention track. I want the franchise to grow and continue and be inspiring to people because it is important. And the things that it talks about are social commentaries and are important. Getting new fans is probably the most important part of the process because otherwise, you know, if you're just appeasing old fans, they get cranky. And then it goes and dies. Conservative commentary on Fox News and other outlets is open to the attack on the whole woke politics of Star Trek after the launch of the new Strange New World series in May, largely ignoring the original show's groundbreaking displays of diversity and calls for racial justice. I don't think they necessarily feel like we're feeling the weight of Paramount, Heard said. Paramount was smart to create this and to back this and to support this because we are speaking the moral truth. Heard described her political work on the Crown Act, a multi-state initiative to protect people from being discriminated against at work for maintaining a natural hairstyle, a problem disproportionately affecting black women, which I cannot believe still exists in this century. It blows my freaking mind. If this is a problem for you, Please launch yourself into the sun, okay? Now, Georgia has no such law. Uh, Gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams made a cameo appearance on Star Trek Discovery in May. And I seem to remember her calling into the show one night, too. But that could be, you know, a a slight fever dream on my part. But I I have a memory of that. (laughs) A mention of that elicited a mighty cheer from the Dragon Con audience. Uh, referring to Stacey Abrams, she's a big Star Trek fan, said Anthony Rapp. Part of the reason I believe she loves Star Trek is all the reasons we're talking about. What the world presents is the world that she wants to be a part of and see. So fans, <sighs> stop hating, okay? If and you're one of those people who feels threatened by things that are different from you, it's time to change. It's time to grow up. It's time to get out of there. It's time to love. It's time to stop hating. And if that concept is difficult for you, it's time to look inward because you're missing the fundamental nature of what Star Trek is all about. And Paul, Amen, brother. Paul can I can I just like mention one thing here too that I actually I, a little bit disagree with some of the nomenclature. Not to get too technical about it, but even that Wilson Cruz is pulling out here because to me, 
there is a difference between the secular humanist values of Gene Roddenberry and uh, woke politics. Like politics and human rights are two different things. And if you start to equate those two things, I feel like things kind of start to get muddled, right? So you may say, oh, it's woke politics, blah, 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 that we have uh, trans characters on Star Trek or whatever. Well, I'm sorry, people, that doesn't have anything to do with politics. Many people equate it to politics because many people who are on one side of a political spectrum tend to support certain values versus other values. But this is a human rights issue, and it doesn't have really anything to do with politics. So come on. let's. I feel like if the stars actually started to – make that discern uh, discernation is that a word uh, a little bit more that actually would kind of help people with yeah. the way that they think about I it. hear you but brother I hear you not. but the problem is is the the side that is is pushing that argument is is has turned it into something political I it know. should be I and know. and then and, and, and there's no bad. putting that toothpaste back in the tube because uh, know. you know the I think the argument that has to that we have to take with this if we're going to get folks to, to come around and you can get folks to come around with the, the right perspective is, you know, people say uh, is don't just parrot what you hear. Yep. I think that's the greatest mistake is people hear this thing and they don't even know what it means, right? They don't even know what woke means. They just know that somebody who is, you know, their constituent of says it and they are quick to <laughs> or parrot somebody it. they don't like said it, you know, or they're like, oh, the um, a critical race theory. They have right. no idea what it means. They just start no parroting and repeating it. And they're basically acting like the most easily programmed computer that ever was created. Oh my gosh, right. And we see this time and time again. So find out what you're talking about before you're quick to be against something, mm-hmm. because fundamentally it's very simple. If you say that you don't like something because it's too woke and you're very, you know, saying this is something that's a phrase that got, you know, co-opted by the, the right wing of the GOP basically it was taken from black culture. And yep. weaponized and reversed and used against it. But the simple fact of the matter is, all across this planet, and especially in this country right now, there are legions of people who are in danger of having their, their not just their fundamental human rights revoked, but their right to live revoked, right? The, the right to vote, the right to exist in equality as citizens of a culture are, are in a lot of jeopardy. And if you say that you're against woke stuff... And if you parrot that a lot without thinking, just as a reflex, what you're saying is you're against enlightenment. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that is the core tenet of everything that Gene Rodney believed in. It, woke is the wrong way to say it. What it is basically is how can you be against enlightenment? Do you want to live forever in the dark ages? Do you want to go back to some kind of a place where certain countries on the earth that we live in right now, where people still have to uh, endure things like genital mutilation as part of their marriage practices? This still goes on as we're sitting here scrolling across our various phone screens and dealing with things. That kind of terrible heartbreak is still happening to people. And we are trying to evolve this world so that we get out of the dark ages and don't go back to them, so that we move into a more enlightened future, which is the kind of thing that Gene always wanted us to have, where the world is better for everyone. Making something better for someone else doesn't make it less better for you. Yep. And on that note, I think it's time to move on. So yep. be a positive ion. 
Okay, live in the light, don't live in the dark, and you'll be okay. There don't is a place for everybody in Star Trek. Yep. Absolutely. And Jim, let me pass it over to you, man. I think you've got the next spin of the roulette wheel, baby. Yeah, so this next story, Star Trek loses out at Emmys and Hugo Awards. Television Academy handed out awards for the Creative Arts Emmys in Los Angeles. Star Trek went of the night with a total of five nominations. Up for contention was the second season of Star Trek Picard with four nominations, and the first season of Strange New Worlds with one nomination. Both Picard and Strange New Worlds lost out to outstanding sound editing for a comedy or drama series to Stranger Things. Picard also lost outstanding prosthetic makeup to Stranger Things, outstanding period and or character makeup, non-prosthetic, to Pam and Tommy, and outstanding fantasy sci-fi costumes to what we do in the shadows. This is the first time since 2018 that Star Trek has not won a single Emmy Award. A nice surprise this year was Lower Decks picking up its first Hugo Award nomination for the awesome, incredible episode, Weege Dodge, which was nominated for Best Dramatic Presentation Short Film with some stiff competition as the World Science Fiction Society doesn't separate animated from live action. And at the award ceremony held at the World Science Fiction Convention Center in Chicago, Lower Decks lost out to The Expanse. This was only the second Yugo nomination for the Trek franchise in the last decade, and Star Trek hasn't had a Yugo win since 1995's for TNG's All Good Things. Star Trek still has a chance for some awards in 2022 as Star Trek Strange New Worlds Lower Decks and Discovery are up for a total of six Saturn Awards. Winners will be announced on October 25th. Charles, this one's just for you. All right. Star Trek Picard reveals new captain and stargazer. And a little bit of those details showed up today. Star Trek Picard reveals the new captain of the USS Stargazer. Upon returning the 25th century, Jean-Luc Picard bestows a field commission on seven of nine, giving command of the Stargazer to deal with they believe to be the emerging board threat. While seven of nine returns to Starfleet six, their captaincy does not. Star Trek Picard, Stargazer one, the first issue of the comic book series, Bridging Picard's second and third season, sees Seven still being tested to see where she belongs in Starfleet. But the USS Stargazer does not have a new captain, but it isn't anyone from Picard's orbit. The new captain is named Mikira. She is an Andorian, and she has no history in Star Trek. The issue's plot revolves of revisiting a mission from Picard's time in command of the Stargazer. Meanwhile, Seven returns to duty as a Ferris Ranger. As readers might assume, things don't go smoothly for the group. How all does this tie in Star Trek Picard's third season remains to be seen. With Seven's journey towards fully accepting her Starfleet commission is likely through, through lines. Star Trek Picard, Stargazer number one, the first of three issues is on sale now. 
Star Trek for Cars Season 3 has already wrapped production as expected to debut in early 2023, actually February 2023. And Star Trek for Cars Season 1 and 2 are streaming now on Paramount Plus. As you can find for Cards Season 1 on DVD. I guess I need to go grab that book and start reading. Along with a few other books that just came out, we need to grab and start reading. Right, Eric? Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, man, there's some good stuff out there right now, uh, for sure, both in the graphic novel realm and in the novel no, novel, novel realm. <laughs> um, so our next news story is how Star Trek Discovery keeps its sci-fi stories feeling real. Star Trek Discovery ended its fourth season back in March, wrapping up a story that involved a mysterious destructive spatial phenomenon called simply the Dark Matter Anomaly, or the DMA. After a good deal of galactic investigation, the crew of the USS Discovery found that the DMA was created by an outside non-humanoid, non-verbal alien species called Species 10C. Director, producer, Lutande Osunsami feels that the 10C storyline not only allows the writers on Discovery to delve into science and language more than they had in the past, but that moving forward, they might be able to look into what's happening on Earth right now for a timely space alien story. Osunsami was very proud of Species 10C. Alien species have notoriously had to remain humanoid for the bulk of Star Trek because human actors had to play them. With more advanced species, uh, excuse me, special effects tech at their disposal, the makers of Star Trek Discovery were finally granted the leeway to make an alien species look as strange as they possibly could imagine. Species 10C also communicated non-verbally, expressing themselves through a combination of sympathetic vibrations and flickering lights on their bodies. Osinsami was energized by inventing such a species, and when asked where Discovery can go next, he declared that he wanted more scientific writing that required research. Quote, we were really outside of the box of Star Trek with the 10C of what we've done, particularly on Discovery. We tried to make it the most unique creature of all time. I don't know if we got there, but it certainly got to be one of the most unique creatures. We got into a lot of science in episode 12 and a little bit of 13 with uh, communication because the translator doesn't work. And we brought in people to help with that. And I think all this takes on more realism. Discovery reportedly hired linguists and xenobiologists to aid them. But it was the real world that seemed to inspire Osinsami the most as when as was announced in 2021, UFOs are real. With that information, what does a sci-fi show about alien contact do? The idea of meeting an alien species is now that much further from the realm of fiction. So uh, I'm excited about this article because it talks about one of my favorite uh, season closers of all time, which is uh, the way they treated the aliens 10C in... Discovery season four, the end of that season, absolutely one of my favorites. Uh, I love this concept. You know, the, it's the close encounters thing, right? How do you talk to an alien species that 
communicates in a way that is entirely different from the way that you normally communicate. And uh, I think to me, that's the essence of Star Trek. And one of the reasons I really love that season ender um, for season four. So uh, that was the most Star Trek Star Trek thing we've seen so far, I think. That's what I'm saying. And to me, like, if you can't get into that, then I don't know if you're missing the bus or what's going on. But like, to me, that's, that's what it's all about. Yeah. So, uh, so David, uh, you're going to take us now to the Kelvin timeline. So uh, share with us a little bit of your knowledge. All right. Let's buckle up. So I guess I have a, uh, the article here it talks about Star Trek Four may look to the past for its new director. J.J. Abrams' Star Trek franchise was transformative for, for a series that has been around for decades. While it was decisive amongst the older fans of the franchise, there is no denying that the action and spectacle brought to the franchise helped bring in new fans and reinvigorated the series into what it's become today. Now, with a fourth film confirmed, things have gotten a bit rocky after director Matt Sackerman left the position. Supposedly to work on Fantastic Four, Star Trek Beyond served as a victory lap of sorts as the film felt like an elongated episode of the series and showed what type of stories could be told in this new reality when not relying on past stories like Star Trek II or The Wrath of Khan. Abrams' lens flare camera work has since become an identifying factor of the series, and it's a franchise that he had left prematurely to venture into the Star Wars universe. And with current issues looming over his partnership with Warner Brothers, Discovery, it could be time for him to return to the franchise that he helped bring to new fans. Not only would this aid in getting him back in the director's chair, but it could be mutually beneficial to both Paramount and Abram. But most importantly, it could put this new chapter in the franchise on the right track. With his with his use of IMAX cameras, lens lessons from Star Trek uh, Star Wars, and the advancements in special effects, he could bring some new and exciting changes to a series that set a new standard in sci-fi. So who well, you know, about that? Director mm-hmm. director Schmechter, right? I mean, yeah. it's like lens flare, cinematography, IMAX. I I frankly couldn't care less. Get me a good script, okay? Right. Make sure that script is rock solid mm-hmm. because maybe people are leaving the, the the production for a reason, right? If you've got a really great script and you want to tell that story, you're not likely to jump ship and go do, what is it they said this guy's doing? 
Fantastic, Fantastic Four. Fantastic Four, mean, yeah. You know, yeah, I'm thinking not. So make sure that script is amazing. It should make people climbing over themselves to get in here because a lot of times with the movies, the scripts have been the weak point. And, yep. uh, it, it, you know, they, they can be likable, but, but are they iconic? Are they, you know, franchise invigorating like they need to be? Take a look at what's going on with the series there, friends, but make sure that script is out of control. It better just be really, really good. And if you're looking for directors, you should be rewriting and fine-tuning that sucker the entire time. So let's hope that's going on because that's, yeah. that's, that worries me. I'd much rather hear talk about what's happening with the writing than the directors, frankly. As, or the actors, yeah. Yeah, you know, because the, the writings you got nothing. If that script's not great, it doesn't care who you are. You know, it's just uh, it's you so got to have – Gotta have a good I script. Feel, and I feel like the the like the onus on this fourth Star Trek movie to actually like conclude that story in some sort of logical way is really, really heavy, right? You like it's uh, yeah, you either gotta bring it back around and, and make the Kelvin timeline an offshoot of the prime timeline, or you have to conclude it in such a way that it leaves the Kelvin timeline available for other people in the future to, to grow on. But, but you have this great opportunity to bring the franchise back together. Right. So I will continue to advocate for that as the star Trek four through line, right. Bring it back together, man. Like bring Paramount and CBS back together. Now's your time to do it. If you're not going to do it now, it's never going to happen. Because the vibe is really confusing, right? It's like for it years is. we heard about them like, oh, they're going to move this movie where – and it sounded like I a know. good script to me with the whole idea of uh, Kirk time traveling back and teaming up with his father, George Kirk, yep. right, who would be Chris Hemsworth. I mean that smells like a good story. It smells like good box office. It sounds like iconic Star Trek storytelling. What the hell happened to that screenplay, right? Because right. that doesn't sound like that's what they're developing now. Nope. Then we heard that there was this Quentin Tarantino script that people are all excited about. A, a Tarantino Star cool. Trek? Oh, my God. Controversy, yeah. right? But very interesting stuff. So, I mean, and nothing ever seems to get out of this fog of development that yep. just gets overanalyzed on the internet before it even like gets, you know, gets, uh, gets a green light, man. So it's just like everyone's made up their mind before we even got a, you know, a go, go game. So it's just, it, it, I really wish that they would control their image a little bit more and, and be really, you know, keep things, don't do so many press releases until you actually know what's going on, right? Yep. Because it just your image is really suffering as a result, and and yep. it makes us all doubt your ability to execute, right? We, we're going to keep watching. You know, don't feel you got to conclude one arm of the franchise. If it's a big hit, you're just going to go ahead and do another one anyway. So it's just like don't don't broadcast that so much. Be cool. Is that too hard to do? Uh, Be cool. Be cool, man. I think it's because they don't listen to a podcast. I think that might be it, David. Yeah, but uh, if you, we got it all figured out. If you listen to all of us, you know, with uh, you know, with Vegas, uh, Vermont, the Portland trio, we can solve all your problems and save you millions of dollars, Paramount. Sure. I mean, come on, just you know, fly us down, and we'll take care of business. Uh, we have opinions; we're not shy about them. We have a proven track for a decade. I think the, the, the movies, uh, if you look at the TOS movies, um, you know, they're running concurrently with, with TNG on TV, but they they were different. And I think the problem that they have is the Kelvin timeline is a different timeline. 
and they're different. It's, it's a different world universe. Whereas all the shows that we're seeing right now on Paramount Plus are all interconnected. Although they have connected the Kelvin timeline of uh, two. Yeah. They, they well, have. What they have, what they know. have done, Jim, is they have acknowledged the the existence and importance of a multiverse in Star yeah. Trek, right? So yeah, they have done that. I, I oh, think that's, that's important. That's I think that's important, and it makes it actually easier to bring the Kelvin timeline back into the fold, which I feel yeah, like you've got to do. You've got to do it. Because I'm thinking if they decide they want to do Captain Pike movies, then, in my opinion, Captain it's Pike can't be on TV when they're doing Captain Pike movies. Well, and it's got to be Anson Mount, and it can't be um, – uh, Bruce Green. Because I think that's part of why Star Trek was so successful with the TOS movies running concurrent with TNG. They were two completely different Star Treks that were running back to back. They weren't the same. Would fans pay to watch Star Trek on Paramount Plus and pay to see the same Star Trek on Paramount Plus on the movie screen? That's the question. And if it's a good story, you bet you they will. Well, it's a good story, I think they're more likely to, right? That's right, and there's simultaneous release now, right? Which is a totally different thing that we didn't even have two or three years ago. So absolutely. Yeah, it's it's different because a lot of movies, uh, you know, like Wonder Woman is a perfect example, uh, suffered. Well, that was during the pandemic. It's hard to say. Um, Well, and that movie was a niche movie anyway, so you can't really use that. The first Wonder Woman was amazing, and the second Wonder Woman, the script was terrible. So, I mean, it it was a tank. It it didn't do well at all. So, yeah, I think that that they they misread their opportunity there. It it released simultaneously on HBO and in the theaters. So did Dune. Dune was a colossal hit. You know. Yeah, I just, it's just it's nobody. It's you know the the great screenwriter William Goldman, man, uh, Butch Cassidy, uh, Marathon Man, you name it. He was considered like the the greatest screenwriter of all time, and he's I think said the best watchwords for the movie business that anyone ever has. And just very simply, he said nobody knows anything, right? Everyone pundits around and they think things out, and and but at the end of the day, people every movie that crashes and bombs people go into it making it with great faith that it's going to be the greatest movie ever, right? And people that, uh, you know, think that they're going to make a colossal, oh, the movie, it's terrible. No one's going to go see it. They, oh, this is awful. They're making it what they think is the worst movie ever, and then it becomes a huge hit. It's like nobody knows anything, right? It's just crazy. And I think that's still true, is people, you know, they guess, they take a shot, but it's still, you know, it's still kismet. The cosmos is in charge. So, uh, um, Michael Myers, call, depending on uh, who you listen uh, to. Well, October okay, 15th, I will, I will give... the Halloween Kills comes okay. out. Halloween Kills is going to release in the theaters and simultaneously release on Peacock. So you can stream it or you can go to see it in the movies. COVID's over. So that's. Does anybody gonna... watch Peacock, though? Yeah, well, no. I was going to say that movie will be forgotten about the week after it comes out. Yeah, Peacock. I don't think anybody is. That's, that's some sad branding there, man. That Nobody's got that. But, um, but I will go, I'm going to see it at the theater. Um, I will probably watch it on Peacock afterwards, but I'm going to go to the theater to see it. Even though I it's, hope it's it good, man. I, I hope it's good. You know, but my point is that up until now, we've had to deal with this pandemic, and 
theaters are saying people weren't going, blah, blah, blah. Well, that's not the case now. Pretty much we'll have to wait. We'll see what happens uh, with that. But at any rate, we have to talk about Star Trek Lower Decks. Guys, what do you say? Oh, God, please. I'm excited to. Super excited. Uh, this this episode, uh, one of my favorites, if you hadn't guessed, obviously. And uh, we're going to talk about it um, right now, actually. And before we do that, though, I have to set the tone, set the mood with a little, little clip that I pulled off the episode. The blood of my enemies is forever immortalized on my duck dog. I can still taste their final panicked screams. <laughs> my death will be ecstasy, a glorious end that will take me straight to Stovacor. I have honored my house, but will you? How many soldiers of the Klingon Empire will be proving their tonuch? Four. I heard four. And so begins the greatest adventure of your lives. You will all die on this quest. But will you do it with honor? (laughs) Oh, my God. How can... Well, we'll talk about it. (laughs) We'll talk about it. So every week, guys, on our Facebook page, I put up a post and ask you, on a score of 1 to 10 to rate this week's episode of Star Trek. Now, I have to preface this Lower Decks episode by saying, where are you guys? Where is everybody? This episode, I thought, was just outstandingly phenomenal, yet nobody scored the episode. I don't know why. But um, at any rate, Eric, what did the few fans that did respond have to say? Well, I got to assume uh, Labor Day weekend, everybody was doing barbecues. They were not online, so not a problem. But Keith Tudor gave it a solid eight, and top fan Leonard Paolo Incristo also gave it an eight. Uh, Eric Nagamain gave it a 7.5. Jonathan Crosby Bromley said, really enjoyed this week's episode, eight. Top fan Dustin Howell gave it a 10 with an exclamation point, And Sean Jr. said a solid 8 with a live long and prosper. So uh, the very few responses that we got gave us a fan score of 8.25, which I feel is potentially uh, maybe a little bit lower than it, than it could be. Um, I think people were busy. They didn't really engage that much in the Facebook page uh, because personally, this episode was spot on and hit my nerd nerve just about as uh, as 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 right on as you could. Right. What day I of the mean, week did we ask for ratings? I, uh, on Friday. On Friday. Friday. Well, there should be yeah. some data here. Not there Monday. That's data. very interesting. Yeah, because yeah. I, yeah. I I agree. I think maybe it was the, the just the variable that it was. Uh, uh, the Labor Day weekend, I think maybe I think just so. and just the, the sometimes it's just timing, right? The the dumb yep. luck of when we put a post up, whether or not people see it or engage with it or whatever. But uh, you know, um, I just got to say real quick as we go into this discussion, right? I had been uh, 
almost never seen Lower Decks, like, ever, right? <laughs> like, almost never, right? Almost knew virtually nothing about it. It seemed like one episode. Watched the season three pilot uh, or premiere last week. I didn't have a lot of good stuff to say about it. I didn't really get it, right? So I'm like, I got I to gotta find out more about what's going on with this show. And so I started watching a couple older episodes uh, over the weekend. And, uh, and then I watched The Least Dangerous Game. And if you were <laughs> asking me now what I thought of Lower Decks is my uh, opinion of the show has skyrocketed <laughs> since we last mm-hmm. met last Thursday. I am starting to totally fall for it and dig the hell out of it. Um, the Least Dangerous Game was phenomenal. I mean, it was just hilarious, dude. I mean, just in every way. Uh, Martok, Martok, Martok. Jamie Hersler. I, I, yeah. I agree. And uh, I'm I was high. It's really it's just everything that I would, that wasn't connected to me with the first on the show too. So it we connected for me on this. It was hilarious. Really we good. Really funny. Well, before we before we dive into what we thought about the episode, which obviously you guys kind of already got a clue of where we're going with it, we have to do our cadet training. Okay, and for that, we're going to turn to Charles. So, Charles, what do we got for cadet training on this episode? Well, thanks, Uncle Jim, for giving me some help on this one, as I didn't get a chance to see this episode until Tuesday because of my busy schedule. But one definite in there that we kind of jumped into was Star Trek 2009. Because that's the one case where you have people actually jumping from a high depth and using skydiving to land onto a platform. TNG's Justice. I believe that's the Wesley Crusher one where he gets in trouble for doing something simple. And we don't realize the group's laws. TUS is the Apple. DS9 talks. This is a good tie-in as going into the hunt. And DS9 for the cause. So Jim, yeah. maybe we need to get into this episode. <laughs> yeah, so uh, basically... Um... The issues that are touched on in this episode, you can go back and watch any of the ones from our cadet training to get a little insight into why these episodes are so um, influential on Lower The Apple so, in particular for this one. Yeah. Yeah, there's some good stuff there. Anyways. And can I, can I add an episode that isn't really Star Trek? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think it's, it's perfect. Perfectly, uh, it helped me uh, find an inroad. Is that okay? Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> this to me was like it was with Boimler's whole attitude adjustment thing. This is evoked the the old Seinfeld episode, right? Where George, I think it was called the opposite, right? where George decides he's got to do the opposite of everything he normally does. And he suddenly starts becoming like, you know, the greatest guy ever. It's like he's basically against his own instincts, right? I will do the opposite of what I would normally do. And that's totally Boimler's uh, strategy here. And it was just hilarious. So uh, to me, really solid yeah. comic stuff. That was great. So this episode, uh, it, it, the, the the crew now. What I what 
what I love about Lower Decks, and what and this episode touches on absolutely 100% spot on perfect, is that we do sit around and play games, okay? Um, we do play role-playing games. Uh, my yeah. wife and, and my daughter Karen and I are playing Lord of the Rings right now, um, and it's of the role-playing game. I've played the Star Wars role-playing game. Everybody's played Dungeons and Dragons. But what this episode does is here's some people in Starfleet on a starship playing a game that us watching the show would sit around and play as well. And to me, it just humanizes them and says, hey, people in Starfleet do the same stuff that we do. And in this case, they're playing, they're not playing Dungeons and Dragons. They're playing Batlets and Botox, Botox. Bullcox. I don't know how to pronounce it. B-U-C-H-C-H-X. Bullcox. Batless and Bullcox. Um, so, and 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 it, what makes it great is the game they're playing is not only a parody of Dungeons and Dragons, but it's also a parody of a Star Trek board game uh, that Marth or that Gowron made, a video game that you put the videotape in your VCR. And played it, so it's a parody of a parody. It's great. I loved it, and uh, I do have some clips to play for you guys, obviously. So the first one I want to play is called "The Love Based Society." The Serenos is hosting all the passengers who got stuck here while we repair and coordinate with Delanians on the ground. Oh, right. Ooh, coordinating is my specialty. These guys are one of those sexy cultures that run everywhere and kiss hello, right? Their society is wellness-based, yes? Well, yes. Let's get down there and get the party started. We aren't going anywhere. Mr. Billups, you and your man are heading planetside to liaise with the Delanians. What? Really? I mean, usually engineers are the ones who do the repairs, but if that's what you want, then... But they'd be better and faster at this than us. Don't question my orders, Ensign. We're perfectly capable of repairing an elev... Uh, an orbital lift. Mr. Billups, just give the Delanians our greetings, keep them apprised of the repairs, and, uh, try not to have too much fun down there. Ah, yes, sir! Yeah. <laughs> so I thought I, I picked this particular clip because in this clip, Mariners all ready to go down to the free love-based society and party down with the with the local natives, and instead, Ransom sends the engineers down. In this particular case, neither one of them is suited for the job that they've been given. Ransom and Mariner cannot fix the elevators, and uh, the, the engineers on the planet, well, they get into all kinds of trouble, like in the episode Justice. So. That's why I picked this clip. I thought it was it was funny and uh, kind of starts out the episode on a good foot. Um, so uh, the next clip that I have for you guys, I picked simply because, well, I'm going to play it for you. We'll join you guys when we're done up here. The repairs seem simple enough. Ah! Mm. Did you remember to decouple the flow inverters before reconnecting the conduit piping? Uh <clears throat> Of course I did. Who wouldn't? Great. Well, I gotta go. There's some sort of wrestling display on, and they need a judge. Ooh, yeah, baby. Let's go. Did you decouple the flow inverters? Of course I did. Just focus on your own work. You know, it's not a big deal to admit that we should be down there, and they should be up here. Starfleet isn't all about being fed fruit by erotic aliens with slightly different nose ridges. Sometimes you gotta get your hands dirty. Engineers would have been done with this hours ago. Arguing with your commanding officer isn't gonna get the job done any sooner. Ah, oh no! 
Slightly different nose ridges. I love that line. Because every alien we ever see, they just change the head and call it a different alien. And in this particular case, Ransom acknowledged that. And I thought that was that was kind of cute. Well, what did you guys think? What did you think, Paul, as, as, the, as the newbie to Lower Decks? It was a fun reference. You know, I thought so. But they did a really good job of uh, referencing things that I think that the, the audience is kind of in on the joke about, that like, oh, we have that same perception, right? But, uh, but what I liked about it is just there was a lot of really good uh, variety of the styles of comedy, right? It wasn't just like they just kept doing one thing. They kept it really moving quickly. And, uh, and uh, I like the fact that while they were able to do that and have all those, you know, moments of, uh, uh, you know, recognition and, and putting all those little, you know, bits together that, you know, I know we're, uh, you know, it's almost like Easter egg comedy, if you will. Right. But it's the, the inherent situation is really funny too, because it's like, okay, your boss is kind of like forcing you to try to grow in an incredibly awkward and inept way. And by basically sabotaging your whole goal and <laughs> sending the opposite people to do the jobs that they should be doing, which is like good intentioned leadership, right? <laughs> so it's like everybody outside of there, you know, it was like, Oh God, I could see this happening at my job. Right. So there's a lot of stuff like you say that we all can relate to. And I think that makes the comedy work. And, uh, but, but just, you know, there's a hundred different things that were funny in this episode, man. And just, uh, and they kept it moving. And, uh, as I'm going back and watching the old episodes, I'm, I'm, I'm appreciating it more. So, uh, but they're going to have a hard time doing anything funnier than this one. This, this was hilarious. This, this one was spectacular. I, 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 what, what, I know I, the sound of a cork being pulled out of a bottle, gentlemen. I don't know what that was, but or who that was, but I, I definitely well, recognize that sound. It, it was who the was donut. that man? He's getting the donut. Oh, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> Someone's microphone so, works really well. That's all I know. sound effects. Well done. I thought that maybe that was Beckett Mariner there, because that seems like that would be her MO, right? It could have been. What did you think, Eric? What did you think about the slightly different nose ridges? Oh, uh, obviously, super funny reference. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the ways that this series continues to delight is in the way that it references uh, previous stuff. And, you know, I think that we had some early concerns about whether or not this series was one dimensional in that regard, um, only referencing stuff. And that was all we got out of it. But I, I feel like it it is the series that keeps on giving and in this case this particular episode doubles down on the geekdom I guess <laughs> because I feel like uh likely every single one of us has played a role playing game at one point uh in their life or not and so we have that reference of you know when you roll an 18 it means one thing and when you roll a 1 it means something else so I don't know. I, I I feel like that was uh, apropos to uh, fulfilling my Star Trek itch uh, in this episode. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it, it was it was it was really great. Uh, I've got the, another clip I want to play for you guys. It's called "Going Rogue."
Mariner, come in. Crap. <clears throat> what's up, sir? Mariner, I was, uh, what's that sound? Is that wind? Uh, I, uh, I had to open up an exterior pressure conduit. Oh. All right, the old pressure conduit. Well, I've been doing some thinking, and you were right. I was going out of my way to try to prove that you would disobey my orders if you felt you knew better. But you stayed on task. Didn't go rogue. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, listen, those engineers are in way over their heads. It's time for us to go save their butts. I'll come meet you in Section 8. Ah! Ah! What? You okay? I, I, I was just saying, yaw! Sounds good, sir. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Charles. Why did I pick this particular clip? All the drastic things to try getting back up, and one of the scenes I thought was funny. It's like she's going up. She gets to a platform. Oh, who puts a rock climbing ladder? And she's, like, she's got to climb rock climbing rock climbing pegs to sit there and climb up the next level. <laughs> what she has to go through and to sit there and not act like she was trying to go trying to rogue and go do take care of the situation herself. And a lot of it was just funny. It's like, yeah, she she works real hard to sit there and make him realize that she wasn't trying to do the right thing. And I love where she gets all the way to the top, and he's like, yeah, I took a shortcut to the little boy's room first. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we gave you time to come all the way up that. So then she jumps off again and tries to take a nap. And the jerk of the parachute wakes her up. And I thought it was just, it was a hilarious scene of working so hard to make up for trying to do the right thing to making sure that he didn't know what happened. Well, and it's, it's Mariner being Mariner, which I think that yeah. Mariner is at her best when she is adjusting to whatever's going on around her. Right. So she is the, she's the gal who you want when like some traumatic stuff goes down and <laughs> you need somebody who's really good at thinking on their feet. Mariner is right there. So she's, yeah. uh, I, I love this episode. So good. And the bleeping, the bleeping. I was just laughing so hard. Because <laughs> you needed great. it right there. That was some hardcore bleeding. Yes, that that was that was some hardcore oh, bleeding. Yes. <laughs> and instead of faking and just not paying attention to her saying anything or ignoring her conversation with herself or making up lines like, yeah, that's something somebody would actually do. They would be sitting there bleeping at the comments and trying to get back up there. Yeah, it was it was good. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, what, David, what did you think about you? You've been awful quiet. You're eating donuts over there. Uh, no, I wish I would though. No, no donuts. Uh, no, this episode was really this episode was really good. Uh, I really liked the fact that there was like the D and D 
hot take on it. And uh, it, to me, it was just like, I I used to be a very, very big D&D fan back in the day. I still am, but uh, definitely when I was hearing that my talk was actually the original voice of my talk, which was really cool. Um, and uh, the fact that he wasn't actually him, it was just a recording of like an advertisement. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. And um, yeah, overall, this this whole series is, has been uh, been getting better and better to me for some reason. It just seems like it's gotten the writing seems to be getting better. Uh, overall, this basically everything. So <laughs> I agree. This was, gonna, this was a really good. I'll, I'll make I've the comment a, that the game, the game they're playing. Okay, that looks like one of my Sundays. That's some of what some of what the guys get together and we're doing on Sunday. It is usually some kind of role playing game, dice rolling. It's like, okay, that's just a Sunday afternoon with the guys. Yeah, it's 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 fandom. It's it's fandom being reflected in Star Trek. I I it's it's great. I think. Uh so I got another clip for you guys, and uh, I'm not even going to tell you the name of this one because you'll know. Nerve damage. Plans are officially out the airlock. I'm Bold Boimler from here on out. I'm not sure that was the lesson to learn today. You know, uh, how about moderation? Old Boimler was into moderation. Bold Boimler's into boldness. I confidently enter the bar and demand blood wine. The bartender ripped your arm off and killed you with it. It is not an honorable death. <laughs> technically, you have died by your own hand. Ah, whatever. I'm still going to be bold. If you'd like to continue, download the expansion pack, Dinner with Lady Lindor. Oh, come on! You can subscribe to the entire honorable season by tapping here, or purchase your worthy adventures a la carte. Ferengi black market tax not included. All sales final. I just, you know what? That is my favorite part of the whole episode. He rips your arm off (laughs) and beats you with it. You die an an unhonorable death. Uh, Just... I was laughing so hard when when uh, at that particular scene, particularly when Mark yeah. talk up starts saying, "Buy the expansion from the Ferengi, whatever, whatever." I'm like, "Oh my god!" It, uh, <laughs> just, just I yeah, can't. Was, there's no word. There's no words for it. It's just perfect. That's like that's like the video game. It's like yeah, you get all the way through. It's like, oh yeah, now go buy the expansion pack. It's like, I'm yeah, that's you. know, and and also, I love how they're all sitting around the table, and Boimler is wearing this Klingon head that doesn't quite fit him right, and they're all yeah. wearing parts of, of of Klingon battle armor, and they got their little painted figures on the table, and they got their twenty sided die that they're rolling, and Perfect. I mean, you know, that's me. <laughs> I mean, you know. Yeah. I, love, I gotta say, I, love, I gotta say, Jim, like Boimler's uh, not quite fitting Klingon head made me think an awful lot of you. <laughs> <laughs> it, I just absolutely perfect, and that's what I love about this show. It, it, it that, puts that us sounds like into Star Trek. That sounds like a Star Trek game being demoed at a, at a convention. 
Everybody's in their yeah. cosplay outfits playing the game. Now, I would love to play that game. I hope they make that game because I would buy that game and play that game. Yeah, well, they make they make that game and it's called Star Trek Adventures. Uh, I mean, it's a great game. And they, they rip your but arm you off. And leading. I, you know what? Uh, I I am confident that GM Chris would allow somebody getting beat to death with their own arm uh, as an event in that game. But I will say that Star Trek Adventures. I know Charles has played it. I played it. It's a it's a very well balanced role playing game. And it's a lot of fun to play if you're a Star Trek fan. Interesting. I've never played it. Huh. Well, guys, before we score the episode uh, ourselves. Yes, you have, Jim. He has. I, yes, you have. He forgot. He forgot. It's okay. It was so long ago he's forgotten about the past <laughs> pre-COVID. Yeah, well, in fact, pre-COVID. In fact, for a while, I still had to deal with the fallout of Jim's Klingon uh, captain who, like, disappeared, and then my Andorian second officer had to deal with uh, what happened with the fallout from uh, Jim's Klingon captain. Anyway, water under the bridge, my friends. Water under the bridge. Well, <laughs> I've got one more clip to play for you guys, and then we're going to score the episode and see how close we came. Well, actually, there's what? There's four of us, and we had five fans that scored it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see how close we come to the few people who chose to vote in this week's poll. So this is the last clip I have for you guys, and I'm calling it The Hunter. Easy for you to say. I'm not a Klingon. I, I, I tried to be bold today, but I just ended up as prey. The only way you can lose now is by letting your foe define who you are. Never back down. Never cower. Never give up. The hunt is on. Yeah. So this is where Boimler decides he pulls his, his I, I don't know, like the Arnold Schwarzenegger scene where he's putting on his knives and loading his guns and putting on his grease makeup, and he's going to go out there and he's going to hunt the hunter. Um, but in typical Boimler fashion, he rolls a one and gets beat to death with his own arm. So uh, I just, I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. So guys, overall, what do you think about the episode on a score of one to ten? We'll start off with Paul, uh, since he's our newly converted lower decker. So on a score of one to ten, Paul, with ten being the best, one being the worst, where would you put this episode? Well, friend, I got to say, because I feel like I have a, a little bit of a moral responsibility here, because <laughs> I will forever think of this as an episode that, that uh, made me have fondness for this uh, piece of the franchise. So, you know... Uh, Really needed some uh, some good comedy, and uh, I, you know, when when somebody delivers, I believe they should be rewarded. So I'm giving them a ten. I just think it was really funny, and uh, and just you know, uh, the whole. I mean, come on, Martok. Oh my God, it's just great and uh, fresh, inventive. Uh, they just kept it running. Uh, you know, uh, it was just great. So I, I, I without apologies, uh, I would give it a ten because it really did. Uh, 
gave me a massive attitude adjustment in terms of uh, getting what they're up to. And I, I'm really looking forward to more. And you know what? I, I was so busy watching Star Trek Day when I got home from work that I did not watch tonight's episode of Lower Decks yet. So I have no idea what it's about. I don't know if they build on this. Oh, God. It's a, step it's a new one today. Or... I totally forgot that. Oh, my God. I haven't even watched it yet, so I, I do not know. I guess I'll have to wait. But uh, that's so Paul gives it a 10. How about you, David? One to 10. What do you think? David, cut out. Say it again, David. Oh, can you guys hear me okay? There we go. Yep, now we can. Hi. I was just saying that I had watched today's episode, and you guys are in for a treat. Um, <laughs> uh, however, yeah, um, I definitely love this episode, probably one of my all-time favorite uh, episodes of the LBS, and uh, uh, I'm definitely up there with Paul. I'm definitely going to be giving us a 10. All right. Well, that's that's Sweet. pretty easy. Pretty easy so far. All right. All right, Eric. I guess it's up to you. Are you going to keep this train rolling? Oh, man. I, you know, oh, I, I am a nonconformist by nature, and it's so hard for me to, like, <laughs> fall into line when I... I can't agree with them. No. No. <laughs> must but, but must I am be hard, rebel. Oh. I am hard-pressed to uh, give this episode any score other than that which has been given by my previous comrades uh, comrades here. Um, we're, we're talking a 10, man. This was like, this was all the feels, all of the love, all of the J.D. Hertzler I needed, all of the D&D references I needed, all of the nerddom. Like, this episode, come on, guys. This was pretty much as good as it gets. So I give this one also a 10. I can't help Wow. That. Excellent. Uh-oh. I like, I like it when you buckle like a belt, man. That's I, it's, I had fabulous. to do it. It was hard. The pressure, the pressure is really on, on you, Charles. What do you think? Well, I already had my score written down, but I will up it a little bit. I was going to tie it with last month, last week, by the way, you never sit there and jokingly it's like, oh, let's call security. Oh, it's this guy. Oh, never mind. We had mimosas for breakfast this morning. He's a great guy. I love that. Hilarious. Mimosas. Yeah. I'm going to put this at a 9.5. little bit of room for them to show improvement, but they're doing a great job with it. Well, I'm going with a 10. Uh, Klingons, come on, really? Um, I want Dude, have we uh, have we ever seen that hunter species before anywhere? No, but but here's the no. one thing that like I did wonder that I wanted to bring up that was almost why I gave it a nine point nine. But why was that not the Herogen? That should yeah. have been the Herogen, right? From from Tosk, right? From, Is that the one Voyager. you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Oh no, I'm thinking of a, I'm thinking of Deep Space yeah. Nine, the Tosk episode. Yeah, well, Deep well, Space Nine Tosk, had the episode Tosk. They they did have Tosk, but uh, but then later Voyager expanded on the Herogen big time in the in the. Game. Oh, okay. So yeah. same species then. Okay, yeah. got it, got it. Yeah, but I I thought it was just a, you know I got to take a moment too, just right and just uh, 
awesome uh, piece of design for that alien, right? I mean, it was really yeah. great. I mean, as soon as he walks into the frame, you're like, wow, that's cool looking. And, you know, very threatening and evil and it just riffed off of Predator and so much fun stuff. But but it's like it, never was, not, it was never not scary and intimidating, but it was also yeah. never not funny, right? Yeah. And the whole, you know, oh, thank you for a lovely brunch. <laughs> Oh, when he funny, when he know? whips out his his cell phone and takes a selfie and starts critiquing <laughs> boy boy, have a few critiques for the boys back home. So yeah. among the, great, man. among the five of us, you guys, that gives us an average score of nine point nine. You can't beat that. Yeah, that's that's great. No, I I think it would have scored higher had more people been online and scored it. I agree. Yep. Yeah. And it's just, you know, it's just, I think also, too, it's just uh, if uh, the feeling I get is a whole lot of people are just overwhelmed with uh, new shows coming back on. People, a lot of people got started watching Lord of the Rings and House yeah. of the Dragon last week. And I think there's, you can only watch so much, right? And uh, and uh, and I think a lot of people just, just haven't gotten around to it yet. So we could always revisit and ask a second time, right? You know, there's nothing wrong with that. But, uh, I've been but I think you'll get more... Uh, You'll get more, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. She-Hulk has tons of stuff going on right now, and everyone's into that double whammy of Lord of the Rings and uh, and Game of Thrones back. So it's just a lot of stuff competing for attention for folks right now. But I'm just glad I I, I am uh, was able to have such a delightful experience with it. Uh, now it makes me really uh, look forward to uh, you know that crossover that we were talking about with strange new world. So it's like, I'm way more invested in finding out how they do that now. Cause it's like, I, I kind of get it. So sorry to be a little curmudgeonly and late to the party. But... <laughs> no, you're on board now, man. You're on board now. It's very fun. It's very fun. And, and uh, I, you know, it's just, I love his job shadowing in all the different departments. <laughs> Our next mission is to uh, is to convince Jim how good the third season of The Orville is, but that's no. Not <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, that's a that's a big ass man. That's a big list. I know, right? All order right there. But at any rate, guys, I want to let you know that on Monday we're going to be covering all the exciting news that came out of Star Trek Day today. Uh, we've got some clips to play, some teaser stuff for Picard Season 3. We've got an exclusive clip to play from Lower Decks. We've got some stuff to play from Strange New Worlds. We even have a Prodigy clip. And we've got some new news that came out today, and we're going to talk about all of that on Do Monday. Do we ever. Do we, we got ever. A lot. So Monday, same bat time, same bat channel. You want to tune in because we've got a lot of great news to talk about. Also, coming up, we have a Playmates exclusive uh, on our Toy Chest special on Monday. Um, we're going to have some a representative from Playmates to talk with us about producing these awesome toys, and we're going to have them live on the air. So if you've ever have any questions or you've ever wondered how they pick the poses, how they pick the clothes, how they pick the characters – how they colors, any of that stuff. Uh, you want to keep your eye out because we're going to have a show for you. And since it's live, you'll be able to call and ask those questions yourself. Um, I have several thousand questions I want to ask that individual. <laughs> I, uh, I don't have a, a, a date yet because obviously Playmates is extremely busy. 
But I did get a confirmation from them that they are going to be having a production representative online to talk with us live. So as soon as I have a date nailed down, it will be on a Monday. Um, I will let you guys know. Also coming up, tentatively speaking right now on Monday the 26th, um, will be Philo Barnhart. And he worked as an animator on the original Star Trek The Motion Picture. Now that he's had an opportunity to see the director's cut, the longer special edition, and the 4K edition, uh, he texted me and he's really excited to talk about all the changes, all the improvements, all the differences between the three different versions. And we have that tentatively set for the 26th, which is also a Monday, a barring playmates wanting that date for their production person. Okay, so that's going on. Um, Monday the 12th, we're going to be talking about Star Trek Picard number one, Stargazer on Comic Corner. So Mark, that, I know that we're, I'm throwing a lot at you guys, but I've been, I've been busy here. And also in the works, I reached out to Alan Howarth, who did the special effects, sound effects for Star Trek, the motion picture, Wrath of Khan, Search for Spock, Voyage Home, Final Frontier, and Undiscovered Country. He also worked on the soundtracks with John Carpenter for Halloween, The Thing, They Live, uh, Back to the Future. Um, he's just done a ton of stuff. Um, he's going to be coming on the podcast as well, talking about sound effects and working with John Carpenter and all this great stuff. So um, we got a pretty busy month, month and a half planned for you guys, but we do it all for you. So keep an eye on our Facebook page, and as soon as I have – firm details on any of that information. I will get it posted so that you guys don't miss any of the fun. So I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, and I want to say thank you to my Trek experts. And we'll start off with Eric. Thank you so much, Eric, for hanging out and Trek talking with us tonight. Thank you, every single one of you guys. I love you, and I am so happy to be talking Trek on Thursdays. I love it. Lots of Trek talk, lots of Trek talk. And, of course, thank you so much to David for hanging out and Trek talking with us tonight. Thank you, David. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. And, of course, thank you so much to Paul, the toy guy, for hanging out and Trek talking with us as well. Thank you, Paul. That was a lot of fun this week, guys. Really, really fun. A lot of good uh, Trek energy in the air. Happy Star Trek Day. Happy Star Trek Day. And thank you, of course, to our very own Charles for hanging out and Trek talking with us. Thank you so much, Charles. Oh, thank you. It was a busy day. Only got to see a little bit of Star Trek Day, but that's going to be my next couple of days of catching up on all the news. Very you know, to be I a do, Trekkie. I do want to say one thing about Star Trek Day, and I think we said this last year, and I'm just reiterating it again today. Paramount Plus needs to put Star Trek Day completely on its own page. You should be able to watch the entire Star Trek Day on Paramount Plus because you, you have the way you do it now, if you didn't watch it live, you have to go to each individual show to see the new news that was dropped and you, you can't don't and get, you don't and you're not even even really sure which one to go to. Yes, it's confusing uh, to find it. You, you got to bounce around. Actually, if you go go straight to YouTube, go to the Paramount Plus home uh, Paramount Plus homepage on YouTube. You'll find the whole thing there. 
all the videos. I think the whole two-hour cast is already on there right now. Right, but the point is that Paramount Plus is supposed yeah. to be our portal yeah. for Star Trek, and right. they should literally have one place that you go for Star Trek Day on Paramount Plus because we pay for the service, right? So if you're going to sure. make people pay for the service, that should be the place that you go. So I think that's right. Jim's point. I watched it live when it was on. They had a when you went to Paramount Plus, it said Star Trek Day. Watch it now, and you clicked on it, and it was there. Once it ended, though, that option disappeared. And if I wanted to go back and watch the trailer for Picard, I had to actually go into Picard, go to extras, scan down, and watch it. Yeah, and it's bad. I don't think that you bad. should have to do that. It should no, all be shouldn't. in one place. It's just a little complaint, not well, nothing uh, major. But it's um, no, but it's but Jim, it's well, year after year at this point. Like like I I feel like this is like it's kind of no big deal, but it's kind of a big deal because if you're gonna make Star Trek Day the thing, then make it convenient for the people who are paying for the service to actually watch the things that they want to watch. Right? Remember a couple of years ago where you had to constantly back out and like go into other feeds and stuff. It's not that bad anymore, but it's almost as bad. So Star Trek Day is a, an event. Come on. Make it logical. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it should be on Paramount Plus. Um, yeah. All in one, on. all in one time. But if it's on YouTube's channel, then you can find it there. Who but, cares? Uh, that yeah. was my, only, my only complaint was that. Because after my, when Jamie got home from school, I mean from work, uh, she wanted to watch it, and I had to go to each individual thing and bounce all over the place to find all the stuff. And you shouldn't have minor complaint, but I just wanted to throw it out there. All right, guys. Well, that wraps up our show. We're all out of time. And I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, saying, please, guys, be good to each other and stay safe. Star Trek fans are the best fans. You better believe that. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Night, y'all. Good night, all. Let's see what's out there. Engage. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.